Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. Any uh, Who's going to be watching the big game later? Big game? All right, cool. Anybody at, at, uh, at home, you guys want to watch the game? game? Yeah? Let me know in the comments. I can't see it right now, but I'll see it later. Uh, let me know. Uh, I would love to get a little poll. I'm just, it's just fun, you know? All right, so of those of you who are in the room, those of you who are at home, uh, y'all in the comment section, y'all by a show of hands, uh, who's got the Buccaneers? Oh, wow, okay. It's it's like maybe four people in here. Uh, that's that's who I'm going with. Uh, Chiefs? Those of you at home, are you guys letting us know? Let me know, let me know, cool. Uh, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but it's fun, you know? Know that all you guys are going to be doing that. Uh, that's that's going to be fun and exciting. Uh, now, a hundred years ago, they they weren't worried about the Super Bowl Sunday. But a uh, hundred years ago, a group of people in Bluffton in Wells County uh, had a an idea, had a vision for what it would look like to establish a church here in Bluffton that would go beyond denominational titles, would go beyond uh, human traditions and simply get back to what the first century church was about. And so a group of people decided to start First Church of Christ about a 100 years ago. And today, uh, we are experiencing the benefit of being able to be a part of a church like that. Over the course of those 100 years, there's been many ups and downs, many defining moments, but uh, maybe none greater than the one that started it. But I believe today we are at another pivot point. Uh, now, a year ago, when, I, when we were thinking about uh, seeking God's uh, voice and vision for what he was calling us to in the future, we none of us had this scripted out, that this would be the environment that we would be talking about this in. However, God knew. God knew. And even because of the, the circumstances we're in, he is still able to move. And so we are at a pivot point. Now, before we can get to where we're going to go, and we'll get to that, uh, we need to identify where we are. I want to just give a little bit of a, a, a picture, like maybe just consider the last 20 years. The last 20 years, for those of you who can do that. 20 years. 20 years ago, 2000, 2001, that kind of time. Uh, do you remember back then, y'all, like we had phones. Young people, like imagine this is crazy stuff, right? The, the phone was attached to the wall. And it had a cord. And you, you, you had a limit on where you could go with it. Our phones, that's what we did. Like we called people. And you didn't even know. When, when your phone rang, you didn't even know who was calling you. That's crazy stuff. You could, op- you could, you could answer that phone and you had no idea who was going to be on the other line. Sometimes, many times, you'd regret answering it, didn't you? Because sometimes your crazy aunt called. And she didn't know how to stop talking, right? You're like, oh. <laughs> and then we got voice message systems and we could, we could like figure it out. But like, you know, 20 years ago, like, the way we communicate back then was totally different. The internet was still kind of in its infancy. Uh, social media was this thing called AOL Instant Messenger. Anybody had that? Show of hands. Those of you at home, let me know if you were on AOL Instant Messenger. Bonus points if you leave your screen name for what that was. That's That would be fun. Mine was that Wayne guy, 08. That Wayne guy. A little play on words. So dumb. Uh, yeah, I was on there all the time talking to friends. 
The way we communicate has completely changed because of the internet. You know, this was back before 9-11 had even happened. And so you go to the airport, things are vastly different now. And so you think about 20 years ago, and just let's just consider what it was like in Wells County 20 years ago. Now, just from some research, I looked at one specific piece of this. 20 years ago, the religious uh, kind of outlook of people in Wells County, about 70% of the people who lived in Wells County 20 years ago had some kind of religious affiliation, some kind. That means 30% were of the people called, like, that, that, you know, sociologists and researchers have deemed the religious nuns. In other words, like, you ask someone who, what kind of religious affiliation they have, and they would say, none, nothing. Uh, and so, at, back then, about 30% of the people, that's, that's kind of where it was. And so it was a vastly religious community 20 years ago. Now, you, you kind of take that data back then in the year 2000, take it forward to 2010 at least, uh, and you see a doubling, almost, a doubling of the amount of people who no longer see any kind of religious affiliation a part of their life. In fact, 56%, according to 2010 statistics, uh, of the people in Wells County have no religious affiliation. And if we continue to see the trend that has happened countrywide, uh, we would see that increasing to today. So the 56% that I've used, uh, that's, that's kind of old data, actually. So we can only imagine what it was like, or what it is actually today, if you see the trends continuing, and we do. And so that begs the question, like, what happened? What happened? Like, if, if back then, 70% of households had some kind of religious affiliation. Now, that doesn't mean that 70% of the people were Christians, it just means they were somehow religious. But let's just say the majority of those people would be Christians. Just because we, we kind of understand our community, right? What happened in 20 years that has led us to the point where the amount of people who said no to religion, no to God, no, nothing to anything, uh, how, what, what has happened that has resulted in that number almost doubling? If kids grew up in homes that were about Jesus, were about following God, then what happened as a result of that? Why have we got to the point where we are? That's a, that's a big question, right? Like we've been able to see over the last 20 years at least, and for really all of history, we've been able to see Matthew 7 happening before our eyes. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, starting in verse 24. He gives us a picture and this is what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Did you notice that? Hears these words of mine and, what's that word, church? And acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. By the way, none of that stuff would be surprising, right? We've all witnessed rains coming down, waters rising, winds pounding the house. That's not something that would be surprising to happen. So all that stuff happens, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. So we are starting to see, like, well, this is it's right before our eyes, uh, people who maybe have heard the words of Jesus and yet not acted on them 
And then we wonder why our society is the way that it is. Like, let's just say, like, if, let's get real honest, right? Uh, how many times have we <laughs> heard Jesus' words and not acted on them? Any, anybody recognize their own guilt in that? And so what would we expect to see in our community? That's not how it ought to be, right? What God calls us to is faithfulness. And faithfulness requires obedience. And obedience is what Jesus is getting after. He's like, I don't want you to just listen to my eloquent words. These aren't just nice life tips, life hacks. These are things that are life and death. And so he's calling us to be his people who would do what he says we should do. Now, I believe there are at least three big reasons for the decline of Christianity in America. And this would be probably relevant to many other places in the world that have experienced a decline as well. Three big reasons for the decline of Christianity in America. Number one, the church stopped helping people connect their faith to real life. How many times have you witnessed a sermon or witnessed some kind of Bible study that was only about information transfer? That you just like, okay, I learned some things, I don't know what to do with it. Like, that's, oh, that's cool, let me remember this Bible verse, but when it comes down to me living that out, we didn't have any accountability, we were just focused on the information, not the transformation, and now we see the results of it. Like, too often we've we've looked at discipleship as simply information. Discipleship is far more. Jesus is calling us to faithful obedience, right? To hear what he says, to know what he says, to have a relationship with him and do what he says. So number one, it's the church stopping uh, to help people connect their faith to real life. We, we just made it about just minor issues. We didn't help people to actually see how their life in Jesus actually impacts their Monday morning. It's not just one hour out of the 168 hours in your week that we follow Jesus. It's not just when you're here or on the stream. It's every single day, every moment. That's what Jesus would want. That we should be the church, not just when we're in a building. My friends, let me just remind you, the church is not this building. It's you. It's me. Wherever we go. And that's the beauty of God's mission. That he's planted us to be missionaries wherever we are. In your workplace, at your school. At the gym. At the gas station. On the road. When someone cuts you off. Everywhere. So, number one, the church not helping people connect their faith through a life. Number two, I believe we've opted to fight the culture wars more than pursue the Great Commission. How many times are we more versed in the things that we're upset about that we see in our culture because they're going away from God, which is what we would expect, uh, and instead of being focused on helping people understand who Jesus is and actually making disciples, we've gotten upset and argued instead rather than going and loving them and meeting with them and showing them Jesus. Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not in the name of your country, not in the name of your rights, not in the name of anything else other than Jesus. And so how many of us, right, we've elevated the culture wars more than we've elevated the Great Commission in our lives. And now we see the results. Number three, 
the older generation was either not empowered to or didn't care enough to mentor and invest in the younger generation to guide them in life and faith. Like, I, I know that I can speak for the young people. They would love to have mentors who are older than them who have been there, done that. You don't have to be hip and cool. You can have gray hair. That's all good. You can have graying hair. You can have hair that's thinning. It's all good. What we need is to recognize that those of you who have been there, done that, you're more mature in your faith. One of the gifts that you can give the next generation and give this country, give this world, is your presence with them. To show them, hey, I've been there, I've done that, and lovingly show them the way. That's what the Bible talks about, is the younger men and the younger women discipling the younger women, the younger men. That's what it's, that's how it's supposed to be. We are, the church is supposed to be a multi-generational church, and we have that gift here. We have that blessing to be a multi-generational church. But it's time that those of us who have been there, done that, grown in our faith, that we invest in the next generation so that they don't go down the paths that we've gone down, that we help them navigate when they do go down those paths because we know that we're human and we know that they are and we know that the temptations are real. Y'all, it's tough to be a young person today. Can you imagine, for those of you who did not grow up in the age of the Internet, in the age of social media, you see how it is today. Can you imagine yourself being a teenager living today? It was, it was hard enough to walk through the halls, right? And not be judged, not be compared to, not be, uh, like having your self image be thrown in your face like you weren't good enough or not pretty enough or whatever. Now, there's an expectation that we broadcast our lives every single moment of the day. And we put on filters to try and make ourselves look better. And, and us old people, you know, like I, cause I've been on TikTok lately. I'm old now. Man, I didn't know that. I did, I, now I know. It's depressing, but now, like, we can help them. We need, they need us in their, in their lives. It's a tough thing. And so what does it look like for us to influence the next generation, influence our community in the name of Jesus? Well, let's talk about it because the path that we've been going down of decline in, in our in our zeal, in our fervor for Jesus, that doesn't have to be the path that we keep going down. There is a better way. And so today I want to give you three pictures that Jesus shows us that will frame what I believe God calling us to, what we as leadership believe God is calling us to. I've already given you the, the first picture, and that is a house. A house that is built on the rock, not on the sand. A house that is built on the rock that can sustain the trials and the suffering of this life. So the second picture comes from John chapter 10. Jesus gives us another picture and he is using an analogy. And this is what he says in John 10 verse 9. He says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll come in and go out and find pasture. A thief, on the other hand, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So Jesus gives us another picture. He's the gate, but the, the picture I want us to focus on is the pasture. For sheep, right, it's, it's a, it would be a pre- preferable place to be in a pasture rather than in a barren place, right? 
If you're a sheep, you're trying to eat, trying to survive, you want to go through the gate because then it will provide you some protection. Jesus is saying he's the gate. He's the only way to get to the pasture. He's the only way to get to a flourishing life. He's the only way to get to abundant life. And the Greek in that, that kind of uh, we translate abundant life, the idea there is life beyond our wildest dreams. Friends, Jesus doesn't save you so that you can just live a safe life. He saves you so that you can go on an adventure for him on mission and focusing on loving people. And by the way, never, never, never forget this. The harder thing to do every time is to love people rather than hate them. That's harder. You want to be courageous? You want to be brave? You want to live on an adventure? Go love people. That's much harder. That's what Jesus did. And it cost him everything. It cost him his life. And so Jesus is calling us, hey, uh, don't just come to the gate. This is, this is our problem. We, 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 a lot of times, like when life happens, we're like, oh, we should go to the gate. And we go to the gate. We're like, hey, Jesus, like things are bad. Can you help me? And we don't go through the gate. You get the distinction? Jesus is the path. He is the way. He is the only way to flourishing, to be able to live an abundant life. And so, anybody had a car with a turbo in it? I know, totally random. It's fine. Just hands. One person. Okay. Those of you on, on, on the stream, let me know. Okay. Uh, I will indulge you. So you guys have been missing out. Okay. Back in the day, uh, I had a 2000 Saab 9.3 SE. A 2000 Saab 9.3 SE. That's, it's a car. I know. It's not like a calculation or anything. Uh, and in it, uh, it had a turbo. It was a stick shift, five-speed mm, hatchback. Pretty cool. Uh, when it worked... When it was in its prime, this is what this car would do. If you've never been in a turbo, uh, a car with a turbo, you gotta get it revving up to a certain RPM before it boosts. That's what a turbo does, it boosts. So you're like going, you know, I can hit this thing second shift, uh, second gear, and I'm going, and I hit a certain RPM, it's a vroom! It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. But, what happened was, uh, you know, a stick shift has this thing called a clutch, uh, and the clutch started going out, and the turbo stopped working. And at that point, the car wasn't as fun anymore. Because I could barely get it going. I drove this thing into the ground. Uh, and so, here's, here's the way I connect this, right? What are you talking about, Brandon? Life without Jesus is like having all the capabilities, all the parts, all the pieces to be able to have uh, your life be that turbo, when you shift it, going... It's fun, it's exciting, it's an adventure, but not being able to access it. Never get it twisted. There are plenty of people in our community right now who are living apart from Jesus, and yet it looks like they're doing just fine. Never get it twisted. That is just a facade. They may live a happy life the rest of their lives without Jesus. That's possible. But guess what? They will be living an insufficient life because they will miss out on all the purpose, all the adventure, all the glorious love that God has to shower on them that we get to experience in life with him. If we continue going down this path as a community, there will be kids who grow up in homes that will never hear that they are loved, they are cared for, they are adored, not just by their parents, but by the creator of the universe. That they will grow up not seeing that they are made in God's image. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it doesn't matter how many Instagram or TikTok likes they get or don't get. They are still beloved in his name. In his eyes. That is who they are. 
There are plenty of, of, of kids who will grow up not having both parents present. Why? Because they didn't know Jesus and they allowed their relationship to tear apart. Because they didn't know what it looked like to love each other through thick and thin. And this is why we see in our community right now, people going to opioids and drugs and being addicted and they're trying to, to cover their pains and their hurts and their suffering in church. We know the answer. We know the answer and his name is Jesus. And so we don't want, do we? We don't want them to continue down the path that they've been on. Because that's not what Jesus would want. We need to take them to the gate and help them go through the gate. Amen? Some of you are tracking, okay. And the cool thing is, if you look back at John 10, what Jesus said in verse 9 is, I am the gate if anyone enters by me. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. Anyone. No one is too far gone. No one is beyond Jesus' grasp. No one is beyond hope. No one is beyond the ability to just simply turn to see him. So like when we're out and about, and we see someone who's just going down a bad path. Just never give up on them. Never see that they are too far gone. That they, that they, they, they just don't, they don't get it. They may not get it. But God can still reach them. God can still meet them. God can still work through you to reach them. It doesn't matter what they've done. They might be an addict. They might be prideful. They might be a narcissist. They might be insecure. They might be someone who is addicted to pornography a serial adulterer, an abusive person who's been abused from their childhood. It doesn't matter. Like anyone and everyone, no matter their, their, their sufferings, no matter their shortcomings, Jesus can reach them. They are eligible to go through the gate. And we have to keep that in mind if we are going to start to see things turn in this community. So picture one is a house. Picture two is a pasture. Picture three comes from Psalm 92. And some trees. Psalm 92. This is what it says. I love this verse. I love this passage. Verse 12. The righteous, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. Anybody want to see some palm trees right about now? <laughs> They're planted in the house of the Lord. Notice where they are. They thrive in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green. Remember, this is an analogy. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green, to declare the Lord is just. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The righteous declare that God is good, that he is perfect, and they are the ones who are thriving like a palm tree, growing like a cedar tree in Lebanon. They are the ones who are seated in the house of the Lord. They are planted in the courts of our God. That's what the righteous do. They thrive. They thrive. That's what we should see. That's what we should experience. I love this. Verse 14. Let me go back to that. They will still bear fruit in old age, healthy and green. Friends, doesn't matter how old you get. Doesn't matter how uh, past your prime you get. God still wants to bear fruit in your life. I love the imagery. Uh, this is a different tree than what he's talking about in here. But anybody been to the redwoods? Like seen the redwoods? Cool. So, like, these are huge trees, right? 
The cool thing about it is they're uh, kind of surprising. Their roots don't go super deep, but they go super far out. And the trees are really close to each other, and their roots are intertwined with one another. And so this is what happens. This is so crazy. When one redwood tree is struggling, like it's sick or it's dealing with something, like it's not getting enough nutrition or whatever, the other redwood trees that are connected to it will share their nutrients with that tree that's suffering. And isn't that a beautiful picture of what the church ought to be? To love one another, to bear one of those burdens, to suffer along each other, to, to spur one another on, to love in good works, to be interconnected. That's how God has designed us to be, is to live in community. We are not simply independent beings. We are dependent on each other and on our God. That's how he's designed. That's how we thrive. That's how we live for him, is to be connected to the church. This is our family, y'all. Look around. It's your family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And so just like the redwoods, we help each other. And so what does that mean? It means that you are never going to get too old, too far gone, until you take your last breath, that you can't invest in those who are coming after you. Like you may be spiritually mature. You know what a sign of spiritual maturity is? Helping other people mature in their faith. Doesn't mean you're a certain age. But what, what God says through this is that even when you're older, you're still bearing fruit. Never do you retire from following Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. That's what we need. That's what the church needs. So those of you who feel like you've been sidelined because you can't do what you used to do, is to recognize you still have a purpose, you still have a part to play, and it's the most important one. Because when those who are before us, who've gone before us, can come and help us who are behind you, that's a beautiful picture. So what does the path forward look like? Church, I believe we as the church need to rise up and be courageous and be bold and go forth and show this community, show the people around us what it looks like to thrive in Jesus Christ, to live abundant life, to be able to do what he says, not just hear what he says. Because there, hey, church, right? There's, there's plenty of churches in Wells County, aren't there? And yet we're still seeing the decline. There's plenty of people who follow Jesus in Wells County, yet we're still seeing the decline. What's the difference? It means that we need to do what he says, not just hear what he says. We have to be willing to be obedient, to get out of our comfort zone. When's the last time you did something that was uncomfortable? Like you got a little, little butterflies in your, in your chest, you kind of feel, oh, I don't know if I should. I don't know if I can do this. That's the place God wants you to be. Why? Because then you'll depend on him. If the only thing you do is things that you know you can do, you've not been following him very closely. So God's calling us as the church to step up, rise up, and go forth and show this community what it looks like. Because here's the thing. God wants you to thrive in every area of life. That's the truth, friends. God wants you to thrive in every area of life. Not just survive, not just get by, but like the last 12 months, has that shown any of us that we've had some areas of our lives that we need to kind of get in order that we weren't right where we thought we were? Like maybe you recognize that your devotion life wasn't really enough to sustain you through some suffering, through some changes, through some uh, disruptions in, in the world, right? 
Maybe you've recognized that your household isn't exactly where you would want it to be if you were able to write the script and be able to make it exactly what you think God would want it to be. Maybe our spheres, our, our, our friendships, our, our acquaintances, our people around us, our neighbors, those relationships weren't the way we want them to be. Maybe we've experienced some conflict there and severed relationships. Here's the thing. God wants you to thrive in every area of your life, in your relationship with him, in your relationship with yourself. By the way, Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we have to love ourselves too. Not in a narcissistic, prideful way, but in a healthy way. Where we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, you are forgiven by God. God loves you and I love you too. It's even uncomfortable to even say, isn't it? He wants us to thrive in our, in our home, in our marriage, in our singleness, in our parenting. He wants to thrive in our spheres at work, in friendships, with acquaintances, with neighbors, with strangers. Remember back, uh, for those of you who are not in high school right now, I'm curious, I, I know COVID probably makes a hindrance on this for those of you who are in high school, uh, but back in the day, you remember in high school, like we, we kind of like gathered in circles. It was kind of the click thing, you know, the groups. We call them groups, the circles, where we sit around and talk. You, you remember those before classes? No one lived? Okay, well, uh, that's kind of what happened, at least that I remember. And you know that there were certain circles that were um, closed off. You couldn't get into it. You remember that? Remember that? Uh, sometimes you may, like, approach one of those circles and no one budges. They don't do one of the, you know, like, opening it up. Well, here's the thing. To have a thriving sphere, you need to have a sphere that's... You're willing to open up to let others in, right? People who don't know Jesus, people who don't behave the right way, people you can lead. Here's the thing. Our vision for the next three, four, five years is to build thriving homes and thriving spheres to help you build a thriving home and a thriving sphere, to thrive in your relationship with God and yourself, to thrive in your household, whatever that looks like, whether you're empty nesters, whether you're single, whether you're married with, with little kids, married with kids who are about to get out, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're single, whatever it is, whatever your household looks like, God wants you to thrive in that. We want to help you build a thriving home. Your sphere, whatever friends you've got, whatever strangers you interact with, your neighbors, everyone who's around you, who's not in your household, God wants you to thrive in that. And we want to help you. See, here's the thing. Uh, Church, when we started considering, okay, God, what, where do you want us to go? Uh, we, we didn't envision uh, displaying this vision in a day and a time like this. But God knew, and he, I believe, has given us a vision that meets the moment. Because how much time have we spent at our house <laughs> lately? <laughs> a lot, right? Uh, how much time have we realized, like, oh, we need some better routines, some better practices, some better habits, right? I believe God's given us a vision that meets the moment, a message that meets the moment, because we need to recognize that the church, our discipleship, was never just meant to be in this building or down in the other hallways or wherever. It was meant to be wherever we are, primarily in the home, in the home, in the home. Parents, has it been hard to disciple your kids, Right? It's been hard, right? Because we have to make sure that we're doing that now. We don't can't just depend on uh, other people. And, and really, we should have never done that anyway. 
should be happening around the dinner table, the conversations, having those fun moments. And sometimes those moments that they stump you with a question, you have no idea. You've never even thought about it. Those are good moments. See, there are 168 hours in the week, y'all. 168. And it's time that we stop only prioritizing one of those hours. Or an hour and 15 minutes, depending on how long I talk. It's time that we start to follow Jesus in all 168 hours, even more sleeping. <laughs> because that's what Jesus would want for us. So, some, some cool things that we've got coming. To help us in building a thriving home and a thriving sphere. Uh, first thing is, this coming Wednesday, we are launching a new thing. A new piece of content that will be coming out. Uh, it's called The Thrive Show. The Thrive Show. Bing, bing. The Thrive Show. It's designed to be going deeper into uh, the practices and the things that we believe uh, God would tell us are thriving practices. What does it look like to thrive in your relationship with God and yourself? That's, that's one subject we'll be talking about and digging into. What does it look like to thrive in your household? That's another subject we'll be digging into and looking at practices in your household, depending on your context. Another one is thriving in our sphere. So we'll be talking about what does that look like to bless our community, to bless our friends, to bless our neighbors in the name of Jesus. And so we'll be talking about those kinds of nitty-gritty details. Here are some things that you can try. You can try and incorporate in your life. And so every Wednesday, we're going to do it kind of a season format. And so the first season will have 15 episodes. Uh, and it'll be every Wednesday from here until that first season's done. We'll just keep uh, tweaking it and trying different things. And we're really excited for that. So it'll be featured on YouTube as a YouTube show and then on podcasts. So you can search The Thrive Show um, and you'll be able to find it there. It actually should be on most of them already. Um, and so just to give you some a little bit of a, a nudge in the right direction, a little pick-me-up in the middle of the week as you are looking at what does this look like for me to thrive in every area of life. And then the next thing is uh, something everyone's going to be so excited about, I promise you. You'll be so pumped about it. But we have to measure this. We have to like ask the question, okay, here's our vision. How do we measure whether or not it's happening, right? So we've got this super exciting kind of technology. It only takes five minutes, though. Okay, so once a month, we're going to be sending out what's called a, the Thrive Survey. Some of you just died inside. <laughs> right? It takes five minutes, though. And here's, here's what it is. It's designed to give you some ideas for some practice, some thriving practices in your relationship with God and yourself, your relationship in your household, and your relationship with your sphere. And basically, it's to measure whether or not we're doing that. And here's the thing. Here's the disclaimer with all of this. Is that some questions will not be relevant to your stage of life, your household, your sphere. It won't be relevant. That's okay. You don't have to get upset. We're not expecting everyone to do all of these things, by the way. Uh, we're not trying to create some like legalistic, you have to do all of these things in order to be uh, counted righteous before God. That's not, the, that's not the intent. The intent is for us to give you some ideas of some things that you could try um, and to try them and to see how that improves those areas of your life. And so uh, community group people, those of you who are in community groups, we've pleaded with our community group leaders uh, to uh, administer these uh, tests at the, the first part of one of the uh, meetings a month while we're in session. 
And so it'll take five minutes for you to do that, and then we'll talk about it at the tail end of that group meeting. And it'll be a great way for us to tell some stories of things that God's doing in our lives. We're, we're going to be looking for those things. And if you have a story as you're doing this, we'd love to hear about it because we'd love to share it with the rest of the church. Um, and also, um, if you're not in a community group, by the way, you should be in one. But if you're not, we'll be sending this out to uh, the, the whole church via email uh, probably on Fridays of the week that we're doing the surveys. So uh, you will all have an opportunity to participate. I pray that you will. Just take five minutes out of the month to, uh, to, to take this. And that way we can see how we really are doing as, as a church body to build thriving homes and thriving spheres. Here's the thing. I love this, this verse. Proverbs 11.11 in the message paraphrase says this. When right living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns it into a ghost town in no time. When right living people, that's you and me church, bless the city. Do we want to bless the city? Yes, the answer is yes. Thank you for tracking with me. Bless the county. It flourishes. And right now, church, it's not flourishing. It's not flourishing. But I believe when we take it upon ourselves to say, God, yes, we are going to actually follow you, not just in another Bible study, but in actually living it out, then we will be the people who can show this community what it looks like to thrive in Jesus Christ because they will then see our lives lived out in a way that causes them to pause and say, that's different, maybe even weird, but I like it. That's how I came to faith, is by simply seeing someone else live out their faith in Jesus. They didn't do any crazy stuff, but they were faithful. They lived out their faith. And what if we could see the trend line in our community start to go the other way? Why? Because Jesus' followers decided to do what Jesus said. It's as simple as that, church. Like, we don't have to rewrite the script. The script's already been written. We get to be the actors in the play that God's already written. It's up to us to actually do what we've been called to do. Church, after 100 years, here we are. I mean, think about that. 100 years ago, this church was started. 100 years have gone. There's been ups and there's been downs. But a bunch of people over the course of that time sacrificed to get us to this point. And we get the opportunity to make those sacrifices for the next hundred years. So that the people a hundred years from now, if Jesus doesn't return by then, will be blessed because of our faithfulness. And just, let's put it out there, the last four years here, four years, it's been filled with a lot, right? Ups and downs. Transitions, pain, hardship, new beginnings, pandemic, frustrations, momentum gained, momentum seemingly lost, maybe. And yet here we are. God's not done with us yet, church. I believe he's just getting started with us, with you, with me. And he's got more to do. He's got more to do. And it's up to us to just say, yes, Jesus. We're up for it. We're up for it. We're going to go. We're going to follow you. Because, hey, 
Jesus didn't save you for safety. He saved you for adventure. And we get to join in right here in Wells County and live for him. He's just getting started with us. One thing that we're going to be really focused on over the next year is our community group involvement because we want to create here a mission-focused culture. And we believe the best vehicle for that is community groups where we're engaged with what's going on. We're engaged in each other's lives. We're able to be a multi-generational context for us to actually invest in each other's lives. So here's the thing. Our one-year goal over over the next 12 months is to see 75% of our adults who call FCC home involved in community groups. And I believe uh, that's going to be a foundational step for many of you who have not done that. Foundational step on the path to thriving in your home and thriving in your sphere, thriving in your relationship with God and yourself, is to be in community. It's to be in community. So church, I, I'm excited for what God is going to do and what he's called us to. I hope that you are as well. I hope, I pray that you are. Um, but it starts today. It starts today. So church, would you stand? We're going to pray and sing out to our amazing God. Father, uh, we come to you recognizing that you are good, you are faithful, you are holy, you are righteous. And as your children, you've called us to be the same. You've made us in your image and have invited us to join in the family business of changing people's lives. God, would you not just be at work among us? Please be at work through us. Be at work in us. God, in the areas of our lives that we all, we know that there are areas uh, that have not been, uh, quote unquote, thriving. God, would you reveal those things to us in a special way, in a way that we can't miss? And would you guide us to a path where we can surrender that area of of our lives to you? God, I pray against any barriers that our hearts may have to what you want to do in us. Jesus, you said that you came to give us life, life in abundance. God, we, we pray that as the church, we would no longer look at ourselves as being on defense. God, we thank you. We are grateful for the imagery that Jesus gave us that he said not not even the gates of hell will prevail against your church. God, you have called us to be on offense, to go storm the gates of hell and invite people to go a different path. Would you give us a fire, a burning passion, zeal for seeing that happen? Would you give it to us right here and now where we can be focused on what you want us to focus on? God, would you meet us in our homes, meet us in our spheres, meet us in the early morning hours, in the late evening hours where we are alone and we are just maybe struggling or maybe seeking your guidance. God, would you meet us there? Help us, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Church, you agree? You said? Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.